I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David, and this is your new episode of Baselayer. Buckle up. I have Ilya, the co-founder of NIR and the CEO of the NIR Foundation with me today. Ilya, how are you? I'm good. Thanks, David, for having me. So excited. I've been following NIR. I've been following Ilya and the team's progress for years. Uh, and this is going to be an exciting episode. Uh, really looking forward to it. We're going to get into a lot of different things here. We're going to be talking a lot about blockchain operating system. We're going to be talking about some of the things you're doing on Fast Auth. A lot of new things that are happening in near. But before we get into that, what we always love to do is with our founders that are coming on, we like to go into a little bit of history of what you did before this. And for those that don't know, Ilya was actually one of the people responsible for OpenAI too. There's a little, little nuance to that. I've been reading about your history just so we can find out more. Um, not something that, you know, everyone talks about, but for those that know, for anyone who's following OpenAI, you know, there was a part of, you know, the co-authors that Ilya is there. So what did you do before Near, And then what really inspired you and your team to build Near? Yeah, so my background is in AI research, and I was at Google Research uh, working across natural language understanding. And so I am with uh, seven other people, co-author of this paper which introduced the technology called transformers. And this technology is what's powering pretty much all of the current explosion in AI. And so for those who are familiar with ChatGPT, the T stands for transformer. Now I did not work in OpenAI, but yeah. <laughs> but I, I have transitioned from Google Research and we actually started near AI. And so near started as AI company. And we were trying to do something that uh, we see now working, which is natural language to code. We wanted to enable everyone in the world to be able to build software without learning how to program. Mm -hmm. We were, uh, I don't know, $300 million short of funding uh, for building out you know, massive cluster of GPUs. And so we were trying to be smarter. We were trying to collect training data for our models uh, kind of in a, in a better way. And to do that, we engaged lots of students around the world who were, you know, from countries like China, Eastern Europe, and all of those countries have some form of monitoring control. A lot of people don't have banks mm -hmm. and have challenges sending money to them. And so the crypto actually came to us as more of a solution to our own problem where we needed to send money programmatically to people for the work they're doing and it was really painful. Right. And so we kind of started diving in into uh, crypto world just to solve our own problem. And, you know, Bitcoin was touted as this global payment system. Uh, and this is uh, just for time. This was June, July of 2018. So this was already, already after crash. And we, as we were diving in, you know, being systems engineers, being distributed systems engineers, 
we realized there's kind of a pretty, I would say, limiting approach to how you know the systems are built. And so my co-founder, he before built uh, a uh, distributed sharded database uh, called Single Store. And so uh, it was pretty evident to us that we need a sharded blockchain that is mm-hmm. able to go kind of massive capacity and is able to maintain low fees, even at, you know, lots and lots of usage. So that was like one of our main problem. Like the amount of money we paid people was actually smaller than the fees on Bitcoin and Ethereum back then. Right. And then after crash of prices and like lower usage, right? Right. And then the other side was the user experience of this whole thing, even if you're an engineer back in 2018 was pretty horrendous. And so uh, we kind of really focus, wanted to focus on making the user experience and developer experience really robust and kind of easy to onboard new new people into the, into the space. Mm-hmm. And so that's really kind of define our focus for near uh, from the start, which is ease of use, ease of development, and you know scalability to billion of users. Right. And so, I mean, we continue on this mission. This did, didn't change. It kind of morphed into you know we will talk about blockchain awareness system and other pieces, but it kind of morphs into like well, Web three in general is hard. It's hard to use, right? There's thousands of layer twos, you know, hundreds of L ones now spawning up. How do we make that the whole space usable, make an experience that's really attractive to users and at the mm-hmm. same time give tools to developers to be able to be productive in the space and not take, you know, potentially six, eight months to ship first product. Right. So let's jump in there. So with seven million active monthly, monthly active accounts, 35 million accounts overall, and a current average of over two million transactions per day, the near ecosystem has seen a substantial growth in usage this year. This is coming from you guys over the last, you know, last few weeks here. You did a kind of a overview of 2023, and obviously, you know, we're able to figure out some of the dynamics there. So this is keeps outpacing its peers in terms of daily usage. Now, obviously, last year, there were some things like Sweatcoin, others out there that obviously really propelled you uh, and the ecosystem to, to new heights. So one of the things that, you know, we wanted to talk about now, again, if you don't know what NEAR is and you're listening, we will provide show notes. I don't want to bore those that, you know, obviously no NEAR or no Ilya's work. There's a lot to it. You know, Ilya alluded to one of the components of their blockchain is the use of sharding. There's been things like Nightshade in the past. There's a lot of elements there to try to make it faster, better, cheaper for the user, as Ilya alluded to. We'll provide all that to you. There are things, though, that Nier and Ilya are working on here that are going to be potentially transformative for the way that we will use blockchains. Now, one of them, as he alluded to, was the blockchain operating system. The idea here is a fully decentralized open web stack and common layer for browsing and discovering open web experiences. By making it easier to build and deploy decentralized on-chain front ends for any network, blockchain operating system helps developers build more discoverable and resilient apps while hiding the blockchain infrastructure from users. Amen. (laughs) Too much. Too much. For years, and I've said this for the last few weeks, too much where we have said, oh, this is the front end of blockchain. This is what we do. And everyone's like, oh, my God, this is too confusing. I don't understand it. And again, if you try to, you know, if you threw the open the back end to the everyday user for email, <laughs> everyone would be like, oh, my God, what do, I don't know how to use email. Now, there are billions of people who use email. So 
again, I want to focus on this. Now, you can talk more about what blockchain operating system is and how it came through, but there appears to be a movement to unify different L1s and L2s. So you have blockchain operating system. We just had Mark Boyron from Polygon. They have CDK. What is your vision for Web3 leveraging the blockchain operating system? Yeah, so I think the movement, the way to, to frame it is called chain abstraction. It's this idea that, as you kind of read, like as a user, I should not need to really think about, you know, chains and, you know, like specific infrastructures, selecting stuff from in the wallet to figure out like which chain things are on, make sure I have gas there, bridge it manually. It's pretty much as if, you know, when you go to Netflix, you need to like change the data center because the movie is not there. And then, you know, this movie is actually like too, right now too busy, like a lot of people streaming it. So you cannot watch it unless you, you know, you pay more. Like, no, that's not how like normal internet works and not how consumers interact with experiences. And so blockchain operating system was kind of introducing this like product suite, right? A stack that was the goal to kind of unify these experiences and deliver uh, in a really easy way to, to use any application on any chain uh, by the user, ideally without them knowing, you know, which chain it's on, uh, making sure a lot of pieces kind of underneath working together to deliver that experience and uh, kind of create a way to like, you know, find new things, you know, discover, interact, you know, share and make it all secure, decentralized, such that there is no, you know, even right now, like you go like curve got front end got hacked, right? You know, there's a bunch of front ends got hacked recently. Um, Twitter gets hacked all the time, which is also like we are in crypto, but you know, we're using a web two technology with like a whole web two stack with none of which has public private cryptography or multi-sig or any of the what we know is the best practices. So right. That is kind of the you know the concept the the and the motivation and so what we have done is kind of introduced the whole you know you mentioned open web stack of technologies to really power that vision right and and the thing is like it's not just near there is other partners and there's other uh, projects and and also other ecosystems that are coming in into this vision because. This vision is, I think, fundamental for us to actually getting to uh, mass adoption and and really kind of, I would say, like changing away from from the current like siloed, you know, ecosystems and fighting and like right. crazy. Like it, it's also when you're building a product right now, you you're choosing where to launch based on you know a combination of like which tribe you're on, which like which bags you hold right. and sometimes you actually consider like where users are and then but like the reality is users are everywhere they're like you know people use multiple chains but also like the, the there's a kind of an overall that's the user base and you're not targeting it because you know right. you're all you're launching in one uh one place and so in the way you know the the real dapps the dapps that target the whole mass market don't exist yet right right and so, so it's time to really kind of up level that. Yeah. Uh, so let's yeah. let's let's show people. So let's say that I'm using, and again, you know, email runs on a protocol. It's basically a protocol that sends packets of information. So I may be using Gmail, and let's say Ilya is using, sorry, Hotmail. Just as an <laughs> instance, there, it may not have been doing that for a long time, but 
for some some way, and again, for those that have no idea about this, my message can go to his email box and his email box can send me a message too. Now they are completely different companies. One is Microsoft and one is Google. And they are basically able to communicate one-to-one with each other without us knowing anything about it. So again, what we for an industry have been forcing people over the last few years is to experience that middle where it's like, okay, there's complexities there. There are things you have to do. There are plugins you have to go through. Uh, there are assets you have to transfer you know, on the back end to be able to make a message go here to there. There's all of that. And what Ilya is basically saying is that with the blockchain operating system, that the vision here, and I, I, I applaud it because I agree with it, is that all of that goes to the back. And the front, the user, you and I, basically use an application. It could be a game. It could be a, 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 an open finance protocol. It can be a messaging protocol. And all the, all the things in the back end happen in the back end without us having to experience it. Now, we're going to talk about fast off because that's also a big part of that. Again, abstracting away a lot of the kind of the, the initial introduction to an application has been not great over the last few years. But again, fast off is also working on that too. But before we get to that, there's something that for those that like to geek out about this stuff, and obviously we're running a show on crypto for the last five years, so we like to geek out on this once in a while. What role does zero knowledge proofs play in the overall obfuscation uh, and the back end, kind of removing that away from that? Yeah, so I think that the zero knowledge offers kind of a cornerstone of trust because the the reality is you can abstract all this out without trust, but the challenge will be that you know, let's say some application is running on you know BSC, some application is running on near, some application is running on you know Arbitrum, and the the challenge is as a user now you you still kind of need to understand the security of each chain uh, for to make sure that you you know your assets and and your like the applications you're using are indeed secure. Mm-hmm. And that is a pretty high toll. Like this is this was my kind of main crit- criticism for Cosmos ecosystem uh, from for for a while now. That like as you bridge between different chains, you need to understand the security of this of this whole interconnected uh, ABC world. Now, was inter- kind of I mean, zero knowledge existed before. Like we 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 knew it it, it was there. Uh, we actually like explicitly did not want to use it because it wasn't ready. But over last year, and you know, Polygon and, and other teams like uh, Zero, uh, Zero Risk and others have done an amazing job of making sure it's it's more practical, it's faster. It's now actually possible to start proving chains and be able to have these proofs available on other chains. And so I call this kind of the unification of security that's going to be happening within the next couple of years, allowing pretty much to trust that even though Kind of, you know, you don't have like a full, full, full security of, you know, Ethereum. You can actually have zk proof of every other chain settled on Ethereum. Actually, zk proof of Ethereum settled everywhere else, including that. And so you have like a mesh of security that is uh, really hard now to like rewrite history or do anything beyond this, right? I mean, right. there's like other like liveness failures and other things that like possible, but there's a lot of kind of uh, more like kind of security and trust now in the whole system, in the whole that ecosystem that we can have. And so, I mean, it's like very well celebrated and right. we are a partner with Polygon on building ZK Lasm to prove the near 
blockchain itself. So we can have a single proof that provides you from Genesis till now that near uh, kind of blockchain has been running correctly. Right. And so, so that proves like you can publish on, for example, Ethereum, and now you know it's verified there. Now prove Ethereum on near. So like even if you know like neither of these networks can be attacked ind- independently, and so you can start building this kind of trust. Uh, network and again, like layer two right now, using the same methodology. But the thing is, like as we kind of expanding this, you know, cycle, I, I my also perspective that I mean, the, the, like the layer two is really more about the forkfulness of the network, uh, which we I'm assuming we'll see less and less, and, and it will be interesting how this evolves. But anyway, this is like a very technical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So for for those that are trying to understand zero knowledge, and again, we've had many people on the show in the last years on zero knowledge. But the way I kind of always like to think about it is that, say, you know, if anyone's looked at the the big pictures of where's Waldo, and you have to try to find all over the place, you know, with zero knowledge, instead of having to look, and this is what you know other blockchains do, it's very manual. You have to look at every single transaction. You have to look at everything else. With zero knowledge, you basically just have a magnifier glass right on where where Waldo is, and then all of a sudden you see it. So you there's still lots of information happening around. Waldo, but effectively you're pointing right to it. Uh, so it's a way to expedite, it's a way to speed things up. Now with Wasm, I think this is really interesting the way that I've thought about it, is that say you have a ferry and on the ferry, it's a car ferry, you have a Tesla, you have a Nissan, you have a Ford car. Different cars, different, you know, different engines, different, you know, one might be gasoline, might be EV, et cetera, et cetera. They're going on a ferry and they're all going to the same direction. And that's basically what Wasm does, kind of says, okay, here's all these different languages, all these different you know, uh, operating systems, but it's all going to the same location. So this, again, is what's happening here, what, you know, why us and why many of us are getting excited is that for the last few years, and this is all very technical, and you know, as, as Ellie alluded to, zero knowledge, you know, go back, you can see Hal Finney talking about zero knowledge about 30 years ago. Zero knowledge has been around forever. Ring signatures have been around forever. These are things that have been complex, cryptographic, proofs in academia work that all of a sudden in the last few years has started to become not just theoretical, but actually working. And so lots of work, lots of hard, you know, you know, hours spent from the researchers on near and other different L1s out there. So congratulations on that. I want to talk about fast auth. So again, near is building multi-chain fast auth, which is mapping for near addresses to EVM, Bitcoin, other addresses. And as I said again, Fast off to me is very exciting because the user gets to go into these applications and not necessarily have to go through like all the seed phrases and all the things that we have been forcing, but can use things that are more to their everyday life. So talk to us about the importance of fast off. And then what we're going to get to is some of the things you're doing with eigenlayer and defragging, you know, a lot of the fast finality layer. So again, we're going to get a little more technical here, but then, you know, I think we're going to have a very nice result. Yeah, so this is, as I mentioned, there's kind of a stack of technologies that need to come together to, to really realize this chain abstracting vision. And so FastOS and its multi-chain uh, functionality is one is a cornerstone because it allows to go away from, as you said, right now, you need to like have, you know, I have MetaMask, I have Near Wallet, I have Kepler, I have Bitcoin Wallet, I have like, you know, Solana Wallet. And, you know, I keep them in different browser windows to make sure they don't interact and don't steal money from each other. And then uh, on top of it, like, you know, I need to like figure out how to manage all this portfolio. And like, it's super complicated. And, you know, in MetaMask, I have like 50 network or something. So that is kind of, and this is already unusable. And like, 
the next, I mean, this year we'll see 10,000 new EVMs launching pretty much, right? That's kind of where it's going. And we, we'll talk about it in the eigenlayer fast finality uh, kind of part. So what is the normal experience, right? The normal experience is I'm a user, I have one account, and then I go anywhere, I go to any app, I log in and I use it, right? And then if the some assets need to be bridged or traded or whatever, that just happens under the hood. I don't need to think about it, right? It you know it shows me it as a fee, you know, shows me the slippage, but I don't need to think about like, oh, I need to connect wallet on this chain to and wallet on this chain, bridge this asset. This asset doesn't exist there. I need to swap. Like all of that is just like a nightmare. And and then the other thing that's really important is bridging in general is really bad. Bridges create a huge honeypot for attackers and they have a ton of like user experience problems, like the number of people for like, hey, I send the asset like to another address on another chain, which was incorrect, like all kinds of stuff. So kind of the concept here is you have one account, same how you have Coinbase account or Binance account, but it is it is a non-custodial account. And you have now addresses on every chain. It's a, it's a kind of special address that associated to your near account in this case, that's controlled by your near account. There is no private key. It doesn't exist. You can only send transactions through your near account and you have near network to pretty much sign this transaction. So you need all the validators on your network to together sign this transaction and relay it to all other chain, to whatever other chain. Mm -hmm. And so what this enables to do now is to have a very different experience, right? So first of all, if you if you're trying to build a decentralized exchange, before you would build it on a separate chains, right? They would only trade assets there. Then you would need to bridge assets from other chains so you can trade them here. Now you can actually have a decentralized exchange uh, as a smart contract on near, but the assets stay on the chains they are. You don't need to bridge it. You just deposit on the address of this smart contract on other chains. And so now you're removing this whole kind of huge honeypot of the bridge. And instead, the assets stay where they are, where they were issued. This also helps actually with security because you don't need to add, add extra trust because you don't bridging anything. Right. So like, the, like if that chain goes down and all the assets goes down with it, okay, fine. I mean, this is like a problem, but it isolates only to that to assets mm -hmm. of that. It doesn't create this cascading effects we've seen with you know some of the bridges and failures of the chain, right. and so now you can also because near has a lot of interesting account kind of abstraction, you can do some really cool things, right? So imagine you have an account, you can go and buy a you know a Milady, you can go buy a Solana NFT, you can get have an ordinal on this account, right? So this account owns all this stuff, and so now you can actually sell the account. On near, you can turn it into NFT and put it on the marketplace or just uh, transfer it to somebody else because near uh, accounts have you know multiple keys. You can rotate them, you can change them, you can control them with smart contracts, and so you can sell the whole kind of basket of assets across different chains in one go with one second block time and you know fraction of a cent transaction fee. So you can trade Bitcoin assets, you can trade Ethereum assets in bulk at speed of near. That's, and that is becomes really powerful. Yeah. yeah. That for those that you know understand this world and for those that don't understand this world, it is a huge vision and it is a huge execution of you know really trying to make crypto, you know, big C more usable to the millions and billions of people. We've all talked about 
oh, this app is going to bring the next 100 million users into, you know, into crypto. Well, it doesn't just need to be an app. It needs to be an entire architecture, an entire vision of how to actually make this usable to the masses out there. So amazing. Uh, again, we'll we'll provide more uh, on that on fast off and some of the, the blockchain operating system uh, components of that. I want to address a few more things on the technical side. So one of the questions that I wanted to address is how, so Celestia is another, is another uh, project out there. There's this idea of, you know, again, fragmentation of kind of a new way of looking at blockchains and about how they actually, you know, finish transactions and kind of breaking them apart, et cetera, et cetera, kind of very similar to sharding. But how is Near able to achieve such a lower costs per block? And again, for those, we'll provide the graphic here. Uh, the cost per block for data availability is significantly cheaper, about three times cheaper on Near than on Celestia. How are you able to do that versus the Celestia and other com uh, competitors out there? Yeah, so I mean, the core idea is, and, and this is going back to like the origins of Near, is that we build a scalable sharded blockchain, and the idea is that we want to maintain really low fees as the uh, demand grows by kind of expanding capacity of the network, and you cannot do that without sharding. That's just impossible, right? Every other chain right, that's not sharded runs on a single machine. Like that can be a very powerful machine in Solana case, but it's still a single machine. It has a limitation on CPU, on disk, on bandwidth, on all of this. And it can only process that much at a time. And so the only way to go beyond that is to you know, run multiple machines in parallel. And this is where you have kind of a short now a flavor of choice. You can choose Cosmos way, where you know each chain, like now you have each independent application running on separate chain. You can choose a kind of Ethereum way with rollups, or you can choose a near way, which is sharded, which again, it's all fundamentally the same idea, but we are hiding a lot of this complexity from the user, right? Again, we, we've been always focused on like how to hide the complexity of the infrastructure from the user and developer. And so because of this, Near actually implemented all of the modularity pieces already on Near. This was in, originally in our design in 2019 with Nightshade. We had a data availability stack. Yep. We have execution stack. We have you know, sequencing stack. We have all of these pieces in Near kind of just abstracted out. And so when we saw kind of the demand from the rollups, we realized we can just you know, offer our data availability, which is sharded. So it means that as we add more shards, we actually add more capacity. So right now we already have 16 megabytes per second, which is way more than Celestia. I mean, more than Celestia right now has, and it will be more, way more than what protodunk sharding. Protodunk sharding is 300 kilobytes, uh, I think, per second. Their plan is so we already had 16 megabytes, and we're going to be keep adding more shards. So the idea is like you'll have more capacity growing as you have more demand. And that is kind of conceptually, at least, you know, again, for me, that is how we get mass adoption is that you have this potentially infinite capacity, right? That, you know, you can keep adding. Now, again, right. it's not infinite. There's limitations of, you know, speed of light and other things to synchronize it. But, you know, as we kind of grow it, we can continue adjusting it while maintaining this abstracted way for, for users. So that's that's really the, the full point. I mean, Celeste is implementing on top of the uh, Tendermint and Cosmos SDK, so they they are running on a single machine. They have a limitation of what single machine can process at a time. Right. Again, super important to the greater picture here of of faster and cheaper. 
Uh, I've said this a few times in the past before, is that if you want anybody who is using Web 2 interfaces to come over to Web 3, it's got to be fast, got to be cheap, and it's got to be secure. Um, and so those are three big tenants right there. And so, again, this is addressing a lot of that right there. The last piece I want to talk about is that you have a recent partnership with Eigenlayer. Uh, Sharam was on the show recently, so anyone who's listening here, you can listen to all about Eigenlayer and about some of the things happening on uh, liquid staking, restaking. Uh, so in reference, this is to building a fast finality layer uh, for defragmenting ETH rollups. Can you talk more about the, par- the, the partnership here and about the importance of it? Yeah, so I mean, this is always in the same vision of chain abstraction, right? So we kind of going down the layers, right? We started with, you know, we have decentralized frontends to make it really easy to access. We talked about kind of identity layer, account layer uh, with fast toss. We talked about data availability layer that, you know, as you put data from different rollups on near, now it's kind of cross-linked and easier. And so the missing piece there was, well, if you're already putting data on near, so Near is designed for pretty much every smart contract on Near is actually a rollup. We just again package it all effectively. And so when you're putting data on Near, you're kind of like including it into our already existing system, but we're missing the execution part. We're missing so that you can actually uh, communicate between these rollups faster. So Near, you know, independent contracts communicate with each other within one second. So imagine like how do we get Ethereum rollups now to communicate with each other within one one second? And so that's where Eigenlayer comes in, so that we have you know, very similar security parameters as Ethereum to communicate now within, uh, by executing the data that was published on Near, we execute it within Eigenlayer kind of validators, and then we, we publish back the result of execution on Near pretty much in the same way as if, you know, if it was Near validators executing it, uh, but with Ethereum security. So this allows us to get Ethereum rollups, which are publishing data on Near, to now have kind of, you know, very close to near finality, right? Like one or two, like two, three seconds, uh, having their, you know, outgoing messages, bridge messages, communication within each other and near to be, you know, extremely quick on near and then still have the same Ethereum security that uh, they are relying on in the first place. And so that's kind of the, you know, in this pieces of stack, it allows to us, as I mentioned, like we're trying to connect everything and unify security. And this is one of the pieces that really allows to do that. And at the same time, speed up the communication, has this like fast finality, fast communication for rollups and kind of near itself. And it all, again, builds on top of the data availability layer that uh, data availability layer that near has that we offer as a service. Well, Usually at this point in the show, I always ask, you know, kind of what the next six or 12 months of, you know, kind of the the big projects, the big milestones are. But we've already addressed a lot of that. We've addressed blockchain operating system. We addressed fast auth. We addressed, you know, obviously some of the things happening in the data availability components. And so we already have a pretty good roadmap of that. So at this point, Ilya, it was a pleasure having you back on the show. We're going to, again, have all the notes and all the different links for people to learn more about blockchain operating system fast off and some of the the user experience improvements that Nier is working on. We thank you for making time and uh, hopefully have you on back at the end of the year. Sounds good. Yeah. And for those who are, you know, who want to hack on some of these technologies now, there is abstracting.org, an ongoing hackathon, and we'll kind of continue doing more hackathons around chain abstraction 
And so, you know, right now it's still too like early, but this is a good time to join to really build kind of early in this space and really delivers this kind of experience of that's leading to mass market. Amazing. Take care. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.